Welcome back. We've got some weekend wisdom here. I'm Jonathan again, and I wanted to review with you very quickly what we went over last week in class. Uh, We're in our series right now called Your Part Matters, and our source text was Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18, where Jesus is telling the people around him who want to know how to be better followers of him. He says, when you do certain things, don't do it so that everyone can see you because then that's your reward. That's what you're after. When you do things like fasting and praying, when you give to the poor, when you're really being a true Christian, you don't want to do it so everyone can see. You want to do it so that God can see because he sees your heart. And if the reward that you're after is public recognition, well, then your heart's really not in the right place. So what we're going to be talking about this week is how every part in the body of Christ matters. But I just wanted to remind you moving forward that whenever we do things, we should do it not for our own glory, but for His. That's all I have for you now, and we'll talk soon. Well, we want to welcome everyone to week two of our series, Your Part Matters, and we're looking at the body of Christ. And I want to thank Maddie for reading our source text, but for you on the recording, I'll go over it one more time. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 18. And the Apostle Paul says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. So I was telling you guys a story of my senior year of high school, and we were shooting hoops, I was doing pretty good, and I went up for this rebound, and I hung up on the rim, because back then I could jump that high, and I hung up there too long. So, I mean, I missed the shot, somebody else got the rebound, and as I was coming down, my best friend was walking underneath the basket. And so I landed with one foot on the ground and then my right foot halfways on top of his, and I tore three ligaments in my right ankle, and it hurt so bad. So I limped all the way from the gym to the art room, because I still had to go to class, I was late to class. But I asked permission of my art teacher if I could walk all the way back to the locker room so I could ice my foot. Because I knew I was hurt. Oh, it swole up and I could barely move. And so sure enough, my parents took me to the doctor and three of my anterior ligaments in my right ankle were torn. And I had to wear an air cast and then an ankle brace. And I missed six weeks of my senior basketball season. And I was doing pretty good. I felt like I was prepared. I felt like uh, I was ready for all of this. But because of that injury, it changed everything. And so those of us here, if you're an athlete and you've been injured before, you know, bless you, you know that it impacts 
everything. Like it changed the way that I walked, it changed the way that I worked out. How many of you guys have ever been injured and it changed something, right? Anyone ever injured a hand or an arm or a shoulder and you had to do everything with your other hand? Wasn't that weird, frustrating? Bless you. So we are looking at the body of Christ and how every single part is important. And so something that I want to point out to you all today as we're looking through, the Apostle Paul is talking about the church as if it were a human body and how every part of the body is, in fact, very important. Each part has a unique function that ultimately benefits the whole. And when they're all working together, the body functions effectively. Now, there are some ways and some uh, things that the body can do to overcome that. Anyone had their appendix taken out? You can survive without your appendix. Does anyone uh, know someone who ever had like a kidney transplant or only has one kidney? You can survive with one kidney. And uh, if you've seen any of our military veterans or uh, people with certain disabilities, you can survive without an arm or without a leg or something like that. But the body itself was designed for all these things to work together. How weird would it be if your hand was like, well, I don't want to be a hand. I want to be a foot. You can't walk on your hands forever and ever and ever. First of all, you'd be looking at the ground. You wouldn't be able to see where you're going ahead. So, so for those of you on the recording, you're not going to be able to see this, but we are in the class going to watch a very interesting video of all the muscles involved when the human body walks. Yeah, so we've got, we've got sports injuries and it hurts. It, it hurts the whole body. Like whenever you hurt your foot or your arm, your shoulder, your other arm's not like, well, nobody cares about them, you know, left arm gang. <laughs> That's not how the body works. And so what's interesting is that a lot of times when it comes to the body of Christ, we tend to see other people as, well, that's that section. So the Apostle Paul related the church to being like a human body. Just as a body has many parts, they're all one body. And the church is made up of many different people, and each person is like a different part of the body. So whenever something goes wrong in the church, the Bible says that we're supposed to grieve with those who grieve. And a lot of times people say, well, you know, that's none of my business or that's somebody else's problem. But if we're all a part of the body, then it should feel pain. Has anyone ever uh, sat too long and like your foot falls asleep? <laughs> you can't feel anything, right? You sit there just slapping that thing you're like, I got nothing. <laughs> and then it's like the little needles when it comes down. So it's still part of the body. Now, here's a dangerous parallel, okay? If people kind of drift away from the body of Christ, if they're not studying their Bible, if they're not praying, if they're really not attending church, if they're just like numb, then they don't feel like they're connected. You guys, if you've ever like fallen asleep on your arm and you're like, whoa, I'm touching my hand, but I can't feel it. That's cool. It's like a little cool experiment in real life, but in, in the body of Christ, in the church, when someone's cut off like that, when they're not part of us sharing in the, the blood of Jesus, it's dangerous because they belong to us. They're part of the body. And when they're not here, we can't feel what they're feeling. They can't feel what's going on. They're not update, updated on what God's doing in the body of Christ. And sometimes when people come back to church, it's like that tingly feeling when your arm or foot wakes up. 
like, oh, you know, I hate the way this feels. It's so awkward. It's weird. I don't want to be pressured too much because then it's like, oh. But when Paul's writing about the body of Christ, he's saying every single part is important. And so people say like, oh, well, I only do this at church. You know, I'm not, I'm not the, the preacher. I'm not on the, the ushers or different things like that. Every single part matters. And that's what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 18. So I want to draw your attention to this. Imagine if you came into church, everybody had a guitar. Everybody. I mean, from Ryler all the way up to Brother Orta, right? And everyone's like, well, we're all worship leaders today. And we're not going to have a message and we're not going to have a meal. We're not going to have a, we're just worshiping today. That doesn't make any sense, right? It's like, wait a minute, wait, you've got a job to do. And if you're not doing your job, then what are you doing? So if you think about that, when you think about how all of these parts work together, every single part is important. Now we talked about how in the body, if something's injured, it affects the whole body. If your foot hurts, then your hips are out of alignment, your knees are not, your quads are bearing that strain. You know, you try and take it easy on one side and the whole body has to make up for it. That's what Paul's talking about. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? You need your ears. And maybe someone says like, well, I don't want to be an ear. I want to be an eye. I want to see it all. Well, God has designed the body of Christ. And that's what we talked about in December, looking at praying about what gifts has God given us. Now, if you came into church and everyone had an acoustic guitar, no one would be hosting. No one would be watching the children. No one would be uh, ushering. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. In the body of Christ, everyone has a part to play. So if you, oh, I don't know, help put up the audio cables after church, it's not very glamorous. You don't get a lot of uh, attention. No one's gonna see you on like the Facebook live stream, but it's important. Anybody who has ever had any event interrupted by a baby knows that the nursery is one of the most important ministries in the church. Am I right? Mm-hmm. I've been there in the nursery. And I've also been like in the nursery, if that makes sense. So uh, whenever someone says like, oh, well, you know, I don't need to be at church today. I'm not on usher duty. I'm not on hostess duty. I'm not, we're not having a meal today. But you're still part of the body. And you need to be with the body. We need to be together. The Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves as you see the day approaching. So what Paul is telling us, the Apostle Paul, Paul the Apostle, is telling us is that every single part of your body is important. Now, yes, the human body was designed and it's so cool how everything that you can handle or uh, like people who are wounded and injured and their body changes, their whole life changes, they can make up for that. We talked about losing a limb or different things like that, eyesight and how the brain adapts. But every single one of you has, but the way that it works, If you look at an offensive line and even someone as uh, famous as Tom Brady, what they do matters. And not only them, but also the trainers, the nutritionists, the strength and conditioning coaches, all those people work together to produce what he's able to do. And so whenever you think, oh, you know, Uh, Brother Jonathan asked me to turn on the lights or oh, you know, I'm just welcoming the same people into class or oh, you know My mom just told me to make my bed or throw out the trash Everything that we do matters 
So for the people on the recording, we're going to close in a quick prayer. And then uh, if you want all the bonus DLC content, be sure to catch us live uh, Sundays here in person. And we'll have a lot more to talk about. But for those of you who listen to the recording, Lord, we thank you for today and the message that you were able to put out over the airwaves about how every part in the body of Christ matters. And even now, as we continue to talk about that with the people here present, we thank you for your presence with us. As we do, everything is unto the Lord that we don't look down on any part of service because we know that it's all for you and your glory and not ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for listening in, guys. And like I said, we'd love to see you in person. And we'll talk to you next week. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to go ahead and dive right into week three of our series here in class called Your Part Matters. Now, the big picture of this whole series is that the church is the body of Christ. Each member makes up an important part of the whole. Now, you guys remember that we started uh, talking about different systems, different things that we know that work together. And if you'll recall, the last time we were in class, we got to watch that video about how the human body works and all the muscles coming together when you walk. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I've been thinking about that. Every time like I wake up in the morning and I stretch and I start walking and all my bones start snap, cracking and popping. And I'm like, oh, look at these muscles moving and stretching. Can anybody else pop their fingers in here? You get like, what, what all can you pop? I can pop my both wrists, my 10 fingers and both ankles and then my right knee. Does anyone else pop? Your jaw pops? Okay. Anybody have shoulders that pop? Sometimes. sometimes. Okay. Sometimes. Uh, what about legs, knees, ankles? Your right ankle pops. Well, you're still young, so you can grow up and pop some more stuff. So we've been talking about the body, and it helps to think about like the body, our body, that God created us when we talk about the body of Christ. So today's scripture that we're going to be reading, it's a little lengthy, and we're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you would flip or swipe over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. We're going to start in verse 4 and do quite the journey and go all the way to verse 28, okay? So if you'll stay with me, we have to remember as we get into the Word of God that each part has a unique function that benefits the whole. And when all of our body parts function correctly and together, then the body functions the way it's meant to be. So we'll start off in verse 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. And verse 7 begins, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. For one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. 
to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, and to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Verse 12, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but its all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. We're all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, excuse me, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then the gifts of healing and helping of guidance and of different kinds of tongues. So when uh, the Apostle Paul is talking about the body, we understand how the body works together. We looked at sports injuries. We talked about how all the systems function together. Even Pastor Reuben this morning was talking about your immune system and how that all works together, vitamin C, vitamin K, all the different things. Does anyone in here take your gummy vitamins? Yeah, so you, your body will be healthy. So whenever, I don't know if you've seen like the, the magic school bus or the cartoons where the virus is in the body and all the white blood cells attack it and then it just gets like dissolved and stuff. That's so cool how God created the body. But when one part fails, that's what happens. In fact, I don't know if you guys know what AIDS stands for. Does anyone know what AIDS, the acronym AIDS stands for? Oh, you know, that was a test question, and I totally forgot. Well, it stands for uh, Acquired Immunodeficiency, I think it's syndrome. And so what happens when someone contracts AIDS, whether through uh, bad blood donation or a viral infection or something, what happens is AIDS, the virus itself, doesn't kill you. It simply weakens your body, and then something else kills you, like the flu or a cold or an infection. Because what AIDS does is it ruins your body's immune system to where it cannot defend itself. It tears you down. 
and then something else happens to your body, and those systems can't work together. Uh, it's it's kind of difficult to get it because it's a virus, and viruses are transmitted differently than like a bacteria or something airborne. Like you can't just sneeze on someone and give them AIDS. It's usually having to do with blood contact. So uh, when we talk about how the body works together, we talk about immunity, we talk about the bones, the circulation, the blood. Remember when we talked about your arm falling asleep? It's still part of the body. You just can't feel it because it's like all tingly and stuff. And you're like, oh, my hand. And then you press it and it stays white for a long time because there's no blood there. So I also wanted to talk a little bit about Romans 12 before we chew on that lengthy passage in 1 Corinthians. So if you would flip on over just a couple books ahead of 1 Corinthians. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. So it's towards the beginning of the New Testament. And I want to start in chapter 12. Acts, Romans, chapter 12. And this is Paul writing again to the church, and he says in verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2 is really good. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Verse 6 says, We have different gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And verse 9 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And I want you to remember this right here, Romans 12 and 15, for whenever something happens to one of your friends, you can share this scripture with them. Verse 15, the second half says, mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. <clears throat> do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20, On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. That comes from Proverbs 25, verses 21 and 22. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So here in Romans chapter 12, Paul, we have read 1 Corinthians uh, the past couple weeks, talking about the body and how it all works together. And now Paul takes it a step further. He's telling the body what to do. So we're going to try something fun. And those of you listening at home, you can try this out as well. Uh, With a pen and some paper, I want you guys to try (laughs) and use your body in a way that you're not used to. How many of you are ambidextrous? You guys know what ambidextrous means? You can use both hands. Very good, Zion. So uh, whether it's basketball, I've seen Vinny play basketball and he can shoot with either hand. That's a really good skill to have. But we're going to try something today that is a little bit difficult. I want you to write your name and draw yourself with your non-dominant hand. It's Well, okay. <laughs> we're going to try this out. So I'm going to pause the recording here. We're going to give it a go, and then we'll come back and join you audio folks in just a second. So we had some fun drawing ourselves with our offhand, and it felt awkward because... That's not what we use those body parts for. You know, the offhand we use for uh, holding a bag while we use the keys with our other hand or holding something while we do what we call fine motor skills. You guys know what fine motor skills are? It's those small movements. We noticed that it was really hard for us to draw straight lines with a hand that we don't use all the time. So it all works together. And I want to draw your attention to this video where we're going to watch some automobile engineers talk about how the systems in a car work together to keep you safe. So what the engineers from Ford are saying is that the way that a car is built, it all works together. I mean, if you have one flat tire, then your entire vehicle operates differently. Your steering is off. It eats up your gas mileage because your engine has to turn faster for the crankshaft and the drive shaft and the wheels, and then your brakes are different. When you brake, it'll pull. So one, one thing in a vehicle can throw some stuff off. Now we're going to watch this next video uh, after we talk about the gifts in the body of Christ. So I wanted to go back to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul is talking about the different gifts of the Spirit. So one of the gifts that he talks about is prophecy. And thankfully in this house, in this body, we have Pastor Rosie who moves in prophecy. She sees those things. The Holy Spirit gives her uh, kind of warnings about what's coming or special words for certain people. We've all had that experience too. I love when she calls the youth up and she prays over them. And Sister Joy also moves in that as well. She's uh, kind of developing that gift. Gifts of healing for people to pray over other people. Uh, St. Peter when he was ministering after Jesus went back to heaven, this guy's like, hey, I can't walk. My ankle bones, my leg bones, they're all messed up. My muscles aren't developed. Can you give me some money? And Peter was moved by God to move in this gift of healing. And he says to him in the Bible, silver and gold, I don't have any money on me, but what I do have, I will give to you. And he says to the guy, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And what the Bible says is that his ankle bones receive strength And he stood up, and then he went dancing into church to give thanks to God. So healings is a gift from the Spirit. 
Speaking in tongues is also a gift, and we'll, we'll talk more in depth about that one later on. But to all the people who say, well, oh, well, we don't believe in speaking in tongues, and we don't do that here, it's a gift. It's in the Bible. It's a gift from God. And uh, enabling gifts, like gifts that help people develop themselves. Gifts like teaching, giving wisdom, having faith, and that's in verses 8 and 9 and 28. And one of my favorites, especially with you guys at your age, encouraging others, like administration, showing mercy. We talked about the ministry of helps when we were kind of getting our positions together, hostess, ushers, encouragers, different things like that. And the one thing I wanted you to remember, especially when we're reading in Romans, the Bible says to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. So whenever someone's going through a hard time and we want to tell them about Jesus or tell them we're here for them, a lot of people say like, oh, well, if you need anything, I'm here. And that's it. They just use words. But for us, we can take it a step further and say, if you need anything, I'm here. I'm going to keep you in my prayers. I believe that God heals. I believe that as you're going through this emotional process, you have strength. Um, I was really thankful for your response when I sent you guys that message about my friend who uh, her family member was in the hospital and they were really worried about him and his mental state. And so you guys jumped on him praying, 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 praying. And she had called me, not because she wanted me to like go to the hospital and visit, but she called because she wanted prayer. She's like, can you pray? Knowing that that is something that makes things happen. It's powerful. But what happens when we're a little off, when we don't exercise those gifts, when we say, you know what, uh, I'm not going to be a part of the body. I'm going to just kind of not exercise my gift, and then the system fails. So we're going to watch this fun video where a woman is supposed, she's supposed to sing, but just one little thing messes up. And we're going to watch what happens when she kind of misses her cue. So we watched that video and we felt really bad because she just missed it. Like that was her time to start and she missed. The entire stadium was singing the song and she's like, hey, <laughs> yeah, let me just jump in. And we think that's funny right now. And it's, you know, she, she's okay. Nobody was harmed in the making of this video. But the problem is that a lot of us, God has called us to do things. And sometimes we may think, well, uh, I have to wait until I'm out of youth class to actually pray for people. Or, well, I have to wait until I'm like a, a usher in big church with the big kids. Well, no, God has called us to start using our gifts right now. And so if we wait, the entire body of Christ is going and moving and people are hurting in this world and they need your prayer, they need your support, they need your friendship. And if you wait and you don't use that gift, then you're missing out, just like the young lady who was singing the song. So we're going to do something fun, and we're going to take a personality test. And uh, for those of you listening on audio, you're going to miss out on this, but I'll tell you that it is the uh, Team Ministry Gifted to Serve online survey. So if you want to take this at home, you can go to gifts.churchgrowth.org slash spiritual-gifts-survey, and you can take the one that we're going to take here. But what we're going to do is look into ourselves and say, what has God gifted me with? What skills, what tools do I already have that I can exercise in the body of Christ? So we're going to do two different ones, but that's the main one, looking at this spiritual gifts survey. And with that, we are going to leave the audio listeners, but we want to remind you, as we've been talking about, that you are a member of the body of Christ. 
God has given you gifts, and you are called to exercise those gifts to bring Him glory. So we'll see you guys next week on the audio for the conclusion, part four of our series, Your Part Matters. God bless you guys. Well, welcome everyone to our final week of our current series, Your Part Matters. Uh, my name is Brother Jonathan, for those of you who don't know. And today we're wrapping up week four, talking about the big picture and how God used the overlooked character of Joseph of Arimathea to show his power, God's power, in the resurrection. So we've been talking throughout the past three or four weeks about how every single person has something to contribute, and uh, large and small, we're all important to the body of Christ. So we're going to go ahead and get started with our scripture verses today. If you would, flip, slide, or swipe with me on over to Matthew 27. We're going to read three verses. Matthew 27, verses 57, 58, 59, and 60. Matthew 27. There we go. So, spoiler alert, Jesus died. Uh, but double spoiler alert, in the fourth Avengers movie, he comes back. I'm just That's a joke. That's a joke. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we do know that Jesus resurrected. And uh, in fact, we're just a couple months out from Easter. So we're excited to celebrate that. But I'm going to pick up, and this is the New International Version that I'm reading. Matthew 27, verses 57 starts like this. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. So Joseph was a disciple. He was not one of the, the twelve disciples, the apostles, but he followed Jesus. And so when Jesus died, he said to himself, you know, what do I have? What can I do? How can I help? He said, well, you know, I've, I've got a tomb for myself. Let me let Jesus use it. So he was a rich man. And there's another account that we're going to flip on over to Mark chapter 15. Matthew, Mark chapter 15 and verse 20. There you go. Verse 43, Mark 15, 43 says, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. So again, he is a prominent man. He's uh, kind of high standing. It would be the equivalent to a business owner in our time or maybe an elected official, like someone who's up there. This guy was influential. And we're going to flip one more time over to John, chapter 19, and verse 40. John, chapter 19, and verse 40 says, Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. So Joseph uh, of Arimathea lends Jesus his tomb. 
Now, he did not have uh, a whole bunch of influence to where he could go and say, like, you need to release this prisoner. And that he wasn't one of those guys, like a, a kingmaker or a very powerful, influential person. But what he did have was a place. Now, I want you guys to think back for just a second. And when Jesus was about to be born, what did they need? What did they need? They were looking, Mary and Joseph, what did they need? They needed a place, right? So the miracle of Jesus' birth happened in really just kind of like a barn out back because they had no place. But what I want you guys to realize here is that the miracle of Jesus' resurrection also needed a place. And so what I want to focus on with you today is this fact. And if you want to write it down or put it in a text memo or go back and hear it on the recording, is that whenever God is about to perform a miracle, you have to be in the right place. I want you to remember that. Because notice, it wasn't required that he be a certain age, certain gender, certain position in the church. All that God was looking for was that place. So when it was time for Jesus to be resurrected, to be raised from the dead, the one event that changes history forever, Jesus needed a place. And Joseph, he didn't have, you know, uh, huge riches and all these different things, but he said, you know what I can do? I can take Jesus' body, this man that I've been following, I can prepare him for burial, and I'll put him in my tomb. Now, we don't know for sure whether or not he knew at the time. We know now afterwards that Jesus was only going to be there three days. But this man said, whatever I have, I will give it to Jesus. And God used his obedience. God used his willingness. And that is the place now where people go and they want to see all these miracles and signs and wonders. Like, would, has anyone ever toured Israel? I have not in my lifetime. But they love to see all the sites, right? You go to visit a city and you got to see the sites. You know what I'm talking about? Maddie, what, uh, what sites did y'all see in New York? We saw um, um, the Empire State Building. Empire State Building. We saw Statue of Liberty. Statue of Liberty. We Okay, so you go up and you see the skyline? Yeah. Okay. And we saw shows. Shows on Broadway, Times, Times Square. Square. We saw Times Square. We saw snow. Snow. We snow. snow. Alright. So you go to these places and you see these sites. But here's the thing. It's a hole cut in the ground. What makes this so special? The tomb. What, what is so special about the tomb? It's a hole cut in the ground. It is where Jesus was laid to rest, dead, and then where Jesus was raised to life, resurrected. So without this hole in the ground, our entire Christian faith and history as we know it and even our eternity afterwards is different. Because if God didn't raise Jesus from the dead, then we're not forgiven. And if God didn't raise Jesus from the dead, then we're just wasting our time. If God didn't raise Jesus from the dead, then God's not all-powerful and His prophecies aren't true and He can't be trusted. And the whole universe itself would just collapse, right? Because what holds the universe up? What's the words of God? Let there be. He hasn't changed His mind. That's why the universe is still there. So I want you to recognize this. There's really there's not much special about Joseph. He followed Jesus. He believed Him. 
And when the time came, he said, you know what? I've got a place. I have a place where God can put Jesus, and that place was used for miracles. So I want you to look at your neighbor. I'm going to ask you an uncomfortable question. What? Who in here has a belly button? I have no <laughs> yeah, everybody has a... Does anyone have a, an innie or an outie? Or are we all innies here? You have both? You have two belly buttons. Okay. <laughs> so uh, belly buttons change shape as you grow and age and different things. And it's kind of a weird thing. When I was little and I used to clean my belly button, I would always be very careful because I didn't want to like turn myself inside out or like pop myself open. I was just a kid because I was scared, you know, like how far is this thing going to go? Like am I going to tickle my back or something? But I want you to think about this. The belly button, or some people call it the navel, or uh, it's around the ab muscles and stuff, that's kind of your, your middle, your gut, right? So we have just kind of an indentation in our body right there, and I want you to think about this. It's nothing special. There's really nothing special about your belly button. But your belly button is a lifelong reminder that you were born, right? I guess it's a little hole. It's just kind of where it closed. That's a good question. Why is it called a button? I would think a belly hole. Well, when you when you close a jacket, it stays shut because of a button. So maybe when they close you up, that's your button. Like, okay, we close them up. Yeah, but yeah, button. A belly indentation. So I want you to think about this. We all have this physical reminder on our bodies that. Just like the tomb, we invite Jesus to live inside of us. But he didn't stay dead in the tomb, which is why we're excited. So we all have a space inside of our hearts, and you can think about just kind of as a physical reminder. you got a belly button. Everybody has a belly button. But inside of us, if we, like Joseph of Arimathea, say, Hey, I have a place. We can put Jesus in here. That's all it takes for God to perform some miracles. And we're going to look at a few examples a little bit later on, but I want to first show you a video. You audio folks are going to kind of miss out on this. And it has to do with a certain team that is currently uh, getting ready to play tonight in the Super Bowl. So we're going to watch a little video about a famous former Patriot in honor of tonight's Super Bowl. So we just saw a video about uh, former Patriots kicker Adam Vinatieri. And I want to talk to you guys a little bit about kickers. Has anyone ever tried kicking a field goal? It's kind of hard, right? You have to get like the angle correct. I mean, anybody could just walk up and wail on a football. But then there's the pressure aspect. You know what I'm talking about? You choking. And all of us who have tried it, we are not kickers by trade. So when you watch like college games or NFL games, all they do all game long is just practice. Kick, kick, kick. Kick. And the only time they get to kick is either on a fourth down or after a touchdown. And that one play that they're on the field, so much pressure on them, right? A cornerback can have an okay game, but people are like, well, you know, he did what he could. Or the defense, oh, you know, they had a couple mistakes. But as a kicker, if you make one mistake, that could be the one that they remember. Did anybody watch the kicker for the Bears in the playoffs this year? And they hit both crossbars. But the guy placed it wrong? Yeah. Mm. So it's so important, but we think of it as just, oh, he's just a kicker. You know, no big deal. All they do is kick. But it's actually very important. 
And a few weeks ago, we talked about kind of the football players that nobody thinks about, but they all have their place. Their part matters. A good punter is part of a good defense because you can pin somebody at the end of the, the field. A good kicker is part of a great offense because, oh, man, we stopped, but this guy can kick it from 60 yards. That's a weapon. And we often don't think about that. So if we ask, why is Joseph so important? I mean, he didn't perform any miracles. He wasn't one of the 12 disciples. He was prominent. He was rich. And he was part of kind of the local government. Joseph was a man of influence. And it's easy to think about the disciples as, you know, the people who were fishermen, outcasts, walking with him, traveling with him. But Joseph also believed in Jesus and he served him. You know, sometimes we think about uh, the people in church like, well, this person does the music, and this person does the ushering, and this person does uh, the nursery, and we have to have them, we have to have them, we have to have them. But we also need everybody else. We need the people who give the offerings. Some people are entrepreneurs or civil servants with influence, and maybe they, they don't have the gift of speaking. And you think, well, you know, you're not a minister. But Joseph ministered to Jesus by offering up his tomb for his body. God wants to use each and every one of us for extraordinary things. You guys remember last week when we took that spiritual gifts quiz? Did y'all... It, it did take... It was 108 questions. You didn't finish that? Okay. Joy ended up taking it to you afterwards. But every one of us have some kind of gift, whether we think like, oh, well, I'm no Tom Brady, you know, I'm no glamorous quarterback type leader. Well, maybe there's a situation where God says, hey, I need you to come and kick this one for me. Oh, wow, I don't know if I'm ready. (laughs) We have to be ready at all times. God used a wealthy and influential man to be the one who humbly wrapped the body of Jesus. That's kind of an icky task, considering Jesus' body was mutilated. They had whipped him, they had scratched him, they had put thorns in his head, they had ripped out parts of his beard. And this rich guy said, yeah, I'll, I'll take the body and I'll get it ready. So speaking of the tomb, we're going to watch a video where archaeologists discovered this tomb. And we just watched a little preview of someone who thinks they may have discovered the actual tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and uh, wondered, hey, is his body here? Uh, There was kind of a problem with some grave robbers back in the day, but as we all know, You're not going to find Jesus' body in a tomb because he's still alive. And I wanted to point out a few other heroes that really didn't, at the time, have much to offer. But because they were in the right time, the right place, and they were obedient, God used them to accomplish major things. The boy with the fish, you guys remember that story where there was 5,000 people and everybody was hungry and Jesus was like, what are we going to give them? Well, we took a lunch from this little kid. He's got five loaves of bread and two fish. And that ended up feeding over 5,000 people because he was obedient. Uh, David the shepherd, when he was watching his dad's sheep and a lion shows up, tries to eat him, he kills the lion. And then when a bear shows up and tries to eat him, he kills the bear. And then God uses him and his obedience to defeat Goliath. Philip the evangelist was also doing a church service when God actually transported him out into the desert And he met up with this guy who was riding in a little chariot, reading the book of Isaiah. He goes, hey, do you know what you're reading? And the guy goes, I kind of don't understand it. Can you explain this to me? So he explains it. The guy gets saved. He gets baptized. And then 
God transports Philip back to the revival that he was preaching at. So right place, right time, and miracles happen. And then finally, I wanted to mention the centurion with faith. Jesus actually calls this guy the man with the greatest faith he had ever seen. Because his servant was sick, and he comes to Jesus, and he goes, Hey, you don't even have to come to my house. Just minister the word. And I know that he'll be healed. And he was. So I want us to pray this prayer, and you audio folks can pray along with us. And just to bring this entire series to a close about how each and every one of us have giftings and places in the body of Christ. We're going to go ahead and pray this together. So if you guys here and you audio listeners would just repeat after me. God, show me the gifts you've given me. Help me to develop them and serve you. Show me the gifts in others and help me to encourage them too. I want to live for your glory. So I want to encourage you all here today and those of you audio listeners that whatever your giftings are, wherever you feel like God has called you to be and the things that he's called you to do, every single part in the body of Christ matters. That's what we've been talking about over these last four weeks. And I want to encourage you to continue to develop those gifts because God has a calling for you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.